Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good morning. So to this morning, I walked in to your lobby, and there's a tractor out there. I'm from Portland, so tractors freak people out from Portland, because we, you know, inner city of Portland, you walk into a church, and there's a tractor in the, uh, in the foyer, like, that's kind of interesting. So anyway, I kind of went, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, John Deere. So anyway, interesting. But I know what it's for, and I think it's great, and I just want to commend you for the, the, the great things you've been doing you know, uh, at, at uh, Bethel Church. I, I, I've been coming here, uh, I always know because my hair is gone more every year since I've been coming here. I had as much hair as Josh, Pastor Josh did. And Josh will have hair until he's 90 because his dad, his, his father had hair just like that before he passed away. I knew his dad and, and uh, had hair just like that. And that's what we all would like is hair like Josh. But uh, <laughs> not going to happen for me. I'm, uh, I gave up. Just shave it. And um, yeah, like I go, I, I go down to the bridge at night and I ask them to, if, if they could do something with this. And they go, no. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So it's been 17 years when I think about the journey that God took us on. And I was a youth pastor down in Dallas, Oregon, and having a great time. And God asked us a question and, and said, well, you know, uh, a church asked us if we would come up to Portland. I'm from Portland all my life, born and raised there. I was homeless as a teenager there. Went through the hardest part times of my life there, but also loved my city. And God asked us if, you know, a church asked us if we would uh, come and be there for three years and try an experiment and see what the Holy Spirit would do through you if we paid your salary for three years and just let you do whatever you wanted. And I was like, all right, I'm in. It's kind of my... If you know me, that's kind of, okay, I'll try it. And um, I think really what they wanted was me to plant a church. I think they thought they were trying to, wanted me to replant a church. But I didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't get the whole gather the people. And I got this, mine was a standing at Ankeny Square Fountain. And I was uh, just praying about what God wanted us to do. And I get a uh, still small sweet voice that all of you hear. And, and, and it was wash feet here. And I was at Ankeny Square Fountain, which is where Voodoo, right by Voodoo Donuts, this thing feels like it's going to... Have you had anybody just go, bloop, let me... <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'll stand behind here. I, I got this tether thing, so I can't go this far now, and I can't go this far now. I have to stay right here. And if you know me, this is really hard for me right now. <laughs> so um, I'm standing at Aki Square Fountain by Voodoo Donuts, and I get this wash feet here. And so I grab a basin and fill full of some hot water and I get a folding chair and I put it down on the ground and, and honestly I'm waiting for someone like you sir that, to come walking by and uh, I didn't get that I got a, a, an intoxicated gentleman who was addicted to drugs and, and was intoxicated you know, and he came by, he was homeless and I said can I wash your feet and he said yes I was hoping he was going to say no but he said yes <laughs> and you got to understand that I had spent half of my ministry career up to that point working in the church with nice clean people I didn't have to run from them I ran to them I loved what I was doing and now I'm back into this crowd of people that I actually came from and I'm looking at myself face to face and when I look up at him and he looks at me I've got his feet in this hot water and I'm washing his feet I look up to ask him his name and I see the person of Jesus in his eyes 
Because, see, I've read that portion of Scripture. When you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. I've read it. But that day, I read it, and I experienced it. And it, it impacted me like no other time in my life. And from that time on, it just kind of messed me up. And I just, we just kept loving these people. And um, we didn't even have a name for what we were doing. We were just washing people's feet. And then somebody said, you know, um, it's funny when you come to Night Strike now, we have about 13 different services we offer. We, we feed about um, 500 people every Thursday night. We wash feet, cut hair, give clothing. We have ment- medical, dental. We have, uh, we have uh, vet care services. And it's all set up in one night. It all comes down. It comes out of trucks. It's all set up. If you've been, you know what I'm talking about. It's all set up. We do it for th- um, three hours, and then we take it down, and we go home. And, um, and every single week I go down there, I'm still blown away. I'm still blown away that we're, we're there. And I only started, the only thing I started, the only thing I did was wash feet. That's it. Everything else, someone else said, can I do this? I feel like God's telling me to do this. Can I do that? Can I do that? And I just became the person that got to say, yes. <laughs> and now, like, we, we cut hair. One gal just brought a folding chair down, and she started cutting hair. And now we have... I think six full-size beauty salon chairs that raise and lower. Everything's electrical. We do all the haircuts and everything there. And we have um, a Paul Mitchell school of hair design comes down and cuts the hair of people. We had a guy one night come down there. His haircut, he was, he was up from L.A., and he was cutting hair, and his haircut cost 250 bucks to get your haircut. I'm like, that's not happening. <laughs> And he's down there cutting hair. His average haircut's $250. And he's cutting these people's hair. And, and it's, it's just been an amazing journey to see that. And, and so we've been down there now, um, under the bridge now, 17 years. I raised my boys under that bridge. I, I watched my family grow. It's just, been, it's just been a really overwhelming experience. Every time I go down, I still do that. And la- the other night, um, we were down there. And I didn't tell this story in the rest of them, and it's just coming to me, and I have a lot more time. So I'm excited about that. So <laughs> you are stuck because you're getting it all. And um, I'm standing under the bridge, and there's this guy, and he flies for Amazon, and he's an airline pilot. And he comes down, and we get that often where people walk. They're down, uh, downtown there, and he comes walking down. He's got his earphones on. He comes down, and he's sitting down. And he's got his hands in his pocket, and he's talking to my son, Noah, and who's been under the bridge since he was six, five or six years old. Now he's 20, right? He's, and, he's, and he's getting ready to graduate from college. And, and um, if you're doing the math, I know it didn't work out, but I'm just throwing the numbers out there for you. So... But he starts asking Noah, and he's like, he's like, what are you doing this for? Don't you have better things to do? And he's just going off, and he's just bad-mouthing these human beings, like these, these other people, and he's just going off on them. They just need to do this. They just need to get a job. They just need to do this. just going on and on and on and on and on. And he goes, he, I go, he goes, well, well Marshall, why do you, and he goes, like, what do you do this for? Why do you do it? And I said, because you can't argue with someone who says, because Jesus told me to. <laughs> they seriously go, Oh, end of conversation. Like you can't, you know, they're not going to say you're crazy because you're, you're crazy. You're not, that's not, you're just, there's, uh, there's 200 volunteers down there and 350 homeless people. It's an absolute zoo. You're not looking at that going, well, the crazy person's not going to start something. That's not going to take, um, this, this, this is a work of God. 
It's great. It's awesome. And the church is there and they're talking and people go, well, when do you preach the gospel? I said, there's a little girl right there praying for that guy over there and there's a guy over here talking to this person. And it's just this, this group of people just loving on people and it's just this big love fest for a couple of hours in the city where people get to forget that they, they come in and they can, they can actually come in and their clothes are soaking wet. They can take a shower and then when they get done, they can get all of their clothes replaced, underwear, T-shirts, socks, um, a, a nice shirt, a pair, I mean, who knows. They can get their hair cut. They can go to the dentist and get their dental work done all in one night. And they walk out going, I feel so good. And who knows what happens throughout the week. They can get social work. We're, we're connected with all of the, um, the uh, addiction recovery services in our city. And we try to point them to ones that are, the ones that are faith, but we listen to what they want and what they need, and we help point them to them. And one of our guys, this just recently happened, it's an amazing story, his name is Lance Orton, and he was at City Teams, and part of his deal was he's working his 12-step program, and part of his program was he had to serve. Because we know that it's a struggle for addiction, people of addiction in addiction to um, get out of their addiction if they don't learn to serve others, right? Well, if you think about it, it's the same thing for us too because we're all addicted to ourselves, right? We have the same addiction. We're all addicted to ourselves. It's when we learn to serve others that we start to set down our addiction, right? So he comes under, he comes under the bridge and he starts serving with us and he's, been, he's awesome. He's, you know, you can just see God's changing his life. He's just moving through all this stuff. He is completely substance free now. All substances that were of addiction, any kind of addictive substance, he's completely free of it, right? And so he comes down and then he needs an internship. And so we, we ask him if he wants to do an internship with us. His brother calls me and says, I'll give you $12,000 to pay him while he's in the addiction or he's in, while he's in your internship. So he gets done with our internship and we were able to hire him this year as our development director. So he's full-time in this organization and you would think he's like a kid in a candy store and he gets to travel around and talk about, about BPM and what it's doing and the services it provides and how God's been working in his life. He's just, he can't, he can't help it. Like he's, you're going into a business thing and you're like, okay, no, Lance, you gotta be careful. You can't just totally go off. And he goes, I can't help it. I just can't help it. Because it's part of his story. It's part of his story. It's part of who he is. Jesus took care of me. Jesus did this. And you know what? People are like, I love this guy. I mean, he, he brought Starbucks. Starbucks now comes to Night Strike because of his witness. Starbucks comes and sets up and actually helps us serve coffee. We did our big banquet this last year. Their staff came and set our tables up. Wow. It's It's crazy. It's just been a really cool. But you know what? When you seek the peace and the prosperity of the city that God has exiled you to, Right, and you pray for it on, 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 its, on your behalf, you know what, it'll prosper and then you will prosper. And this is what we've been doing, is just been serving our community, serving our city. We also do a thing called B-Town Kids. This is the relief work part of our work. And we um, focus on uh, little children and their families in the inner city of Portland. We have um, four sites. We have about 1,100 children that we work with. We actually do a, a major feeding program for them because the kids that we're working in are some of the most impoverished um, food, um, uh, food struggling areas we're at. And they're getting fed at, they're actually getting fed in their schools, breakfast and lunch lunch and then they're actually getting backpacks with food to take home and have dinner. That's where their feeding is coming from, right? And in the summertime, what happens is the, what happens is that that food program is taken out because the school is not there, so the parks feed them. So we partner with the parks and the school, and then we, we actually go and we go after churches that are connected to the area right there, and we bring that church in and train them how to actually run the site. 
So the local church goes in and actually learns how to run the site, and then we feed the children on Saturday because there's no food for them on the Saturday. So we go in and we feed them, and then we do an asset-based curriculum that helps these children build those assets in their world that they need. One of the assets is a faith as an asset. What faith, what kind of a faith asset do you have? Because we know that children develop better when they do have a faith aspect of their life. And so well, we bring that in, and every year we do a camp, and we bring about 60, 70 kids to this camp, and at that camp, it's a Christian camp, and they, every single year, every single year, all 70 kids say yes to Jesus, every single year, and here's why, because they've never heard of him. The first time that they hear of Jesus is when they come to that camp. Because they're, they're, it, it, we're in this world now that it's just not as prolific as it used to be. And so we bring them into this camp. We tell them about Jesus every year. They hear about Christ. It is, and they say yes to Jesus in their small groups. It's not this big. They're not coming and crying at the altar. They're not like having to give a bunch of stuff up because they're eight. You know what I mean? They're not like, you know, I gotta, I just, you know, my life is a wreck. No, they're six and eight. They're like, I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. That makes sense to me. I'm in. That's the way it should be. The rest of us come crawl into the altar. All right, I'm done, right? Six and eight-year-olds are like, hey, that just sounds really cool. I think I really believe that. I'm gonna do that. Amen. Never underestimate the power of a prayer of a child, ever, because it's just powerful. Amen? So that's what we've been doing for the last couple of years, or for the last number of years, and why I have lack of hair, and it's been an amazing journey, and I want to say thank you because you've been a part of that journey. I will say that the things that you've brought, not just the financial things, I appreciate that so much, but also the encouragement, the encouragement. I have grown here. I've grown in my speaking here. I've grown in my leadership here. I've grown in the ability to come alongside people. I've, I've grown in so many different ways that you have deposited into my life. You were the very first women's retreat I spoke at. Come on. Hello. That was awesome. Yeah. I tell people that and they go, what? You spoke at a women's retreat? And I love that you, I, you've just been amazing. It's the first time I've ever shot a potato gun is here. Uh, and the first time I've ever seen a tractor in a church is here. But you have been a, an amazing group of people. Our first, one of our first mission trips was from Bethel, and they came when uh, the Rentas were here. And they brought, and this is where I first met you two, is um, there was 80 kids. They said, we want to do a trip. And I said, how many bring? And they said, 80. And I said, we can do it. I had no idea what I was doing. But I said we can do it. 80 kids. We brought 80 students down, and we just tore up Portland. We just loved on Portland in the name of Jesus. And it just ch changed my life. And since that time, Josh has been there. And Oh, never mind. And uh, just messing with you. <laughs> but all that to say is we've grown tremendously, and, and it's been a part of that work in our lives. And I want to say thank you for that. So I just wanted to give you some, some updates as far as where we're at and what's going on. We're still going, and we're, we're right now planning for what does BPM look like when we can say we're 20 years old, which is a really big deal. And so thank you for your time and your, your, uh, your time being a part of what we're doing. So I want to share a couple thoughts with you um, before we uh, try to beat the Baptists to the restaurants. And, um, but I want to share a couple of thoughts with you from the Word of God this morning, because you're, you're going into this missions time where there's gonna be some things asked of you and it's not gonna be necessarily from the pulpit, but you're gonna feel it in your heart, you're gonna feel it in your spirit. Because I don't know about you, but if when I hear that little girls and children are being trafficked and, and sexually exploited, I have to go how much, I computed how much money it would take for me to give up one day's salary today. 
I put my number in, so you take your number, and then you divide that by 365 days, and then you get your number. And you know what? That's doable. So I'm writing a check for you guys today based off of my salary. Because you know what? I have to do something about little kids that are being sexually exploited and trafficked. I can't, I can't, I can't just walk away from it. I just can't. So whatever I can do, I can pray. Yeah, I can pray. But if I can give, I'm going to give. Because the Holy Spirit's talking to my, my spirit about it. I can't, I can't walk away from that. And that's going to happen to all of us in the next couple of weeks. We're going to hear that because we're going to hear of projects. We're going to hear different missionaries coming up here, sharing their stories. We're going to hear different things happening. You're going to hear about Convoy of Hope, which is probably one of the most respected across-the-board denominational uh, relief agencies in the world that the world has ever known. Right? And, and we get an opportunity to partner with, I've seen the work they've done. I, was, I did Hurricane uh, Katrina relief and um, they showed up in their trucks and it was absolutely, you just started crying when you saw these trucks drive up into this area and they just drive up and this guy that's retired gets out and he's driving this truck and he opens it up and there's bottles of water and clothing and socks and shoes and potato chips and cup of noodles and whatever they can get their hands on and they're just pulling it out and just people are coming and they're being fed and taken care of. How can you not just love that? It's the ministry of Jesus. You're going to be talked to by the Holy Spirit this next couple of weeks. And my question is, is what is it going to take to get you to step into that place where you get to be used by God and experience him in a powerful and wonderful way? This is the greatest, in my opinion, this is the greatest time in your season right now where we get to talk about how can we be engaged? How can we be involved? How can we give? How can we go? How can we participate? How can we actually put this thing that I'm learning into play? How can I let my light so shine before men that they see my good works and glorify my Father in heaven? How can I be about going? How can I be about serving? How can I, how can I make God famous? Because every act that I do as a follower of Christ, when I give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, it's different when I give a cup of cold water. When you give a cup of cold water, when you serve your community, when you step out of this building and you do something, it's different because it's empowered by the Holy Spirit and it shows the world who God is. That's what it is. And that's what we get to be a part of. And we're called to be a part of that. Not only are we called to be a part of that, we're told, go and make disciples. We're also empowered to do that. He says, go and make disciples, but here says, also wait, because I am going to empower you, and then you will be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outer edges of the world. So it's not just that we're going to, he doesn't just give us a command, and we have to kind of muster up the energy to do it. He also gives us a command, but then empowers us by the Holy Spirit that actually nudges you. You know what I'm saying? You get that urge and that nudge, or you feel, you hear something on the screen, or you see a, uh, you hear a mission uh, thing, and you feel this nudge and this urge. That's the Holy Spirit in you, saying, let's do something. I want to see you active. I want to see you breathing and living and doing awesome things and, and getting goosebumps and all that kind of stuff that comes with that. That's what this is about. And I was thinking about that because I was given the text this morning, which is actually not a fun text to actually talk about. It's not really inspiring. It's really not. Because you read it, you're just like, wow, I don't want to be part of that church service. <laughs> and we're talking Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. Insp thanks, thanks, guys. Appreciate that. <laughs> we're going to talk about missions and giving and going. Marsh, I want you to talk about Ananias and Sapphira. And I'm like, ah, okay, how did that help? Because that didn't work for them very well. 
Listen to this. Here's Acts chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back. Everybody say, kept back. He kept back part of the money for himself, but bought, brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Imagine that's your service. Like if Pastor Scott just walked up and said, hey, Darrell, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit and blah, blah, blah? We'd be like, hey, this, I'm, this church isn't for me. I'm out. I'm out. Don't go to that church. They call you out. Well, like this church that we're going to be talking about, it gets worse, right? When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what happened. No doubt great fear seized them. They sent, then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out to be, and buried him. Could you imagine the usher job? You're on ushers today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? And she said, yes, that is the price. Because remember, they were in on it together. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband, that was the first time she heard her husband had passed, are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down dead at his feet and died. Amen. See you guys next week. is is something really powerful is happening right here. God is doing something. If you read the book of Acts, when you're studying through this, this is a really powerful book. It's actually two books. There's actually two books in this. There's, there's the, the Luke, Dr. Luke wrote, he's a physician. He said this is a, the second volume, basically, of his first volume of Luke. And so he writes this portion of his, he says, in my second volume, Theophilus, he says, I wrote about the acts of Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. He says, now I want to talk to you. And a lot of people call this the acts of the church. Well, really, it's the continued work of Jesus through the Spirit, that's really what's going on here. So Jesus said what? His continued work is I have to go and I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father and ever seat on your behalf and then I'm going to send the helper who's going to come and empower you to do the rest of the work. So it's that continued work. So that's really how it should be seen is that it's the continued work of the Holy Spirit as he's working through and building the church. At this point, there's not really, the, the church isn't even named yet. It's not until they get to Antioch later on in the chapter where they first are known as the church where they actually start calling them the church, where they call them, it's in Antioch where they're actually first called Christians, right? And so there's, there's a lot happening here. God is establishing his work. He's showing that this, uh, there's a whole new program. There's a whole new thing happening. People are being raised and people are being healed and the apostles are seeing crazy stuff happening. And, and this particular thing, this is one of the first problems of sin that actually pokes its head up within the church. It's the first, everything else is all this powerful stuff happening. And then you get this particular problem right here and this is how they deal with it. But I want you to think, I want you to read something because I, I, I want to leave you encouraged this morning. I don't want to leave you discouraged. But you have to read something. You have to read in chapter 4. You have to go back to chapter 4 to get a fuller perspective of this portion of Scripture. Because if you read in chapter 4, um, verse 32, that's where I'm going to start. 
And it says, all the believers were one in heart. And listen to some things. So if you read Ananias and Sapphira's story, but listen to this story and kind of go, oh, you'll start to make some connections on your own. And it's important that you understand this. So all the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. And from time to time, listen, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, Barnabas is, this is the Barnabas in the New Testament that befriended Paul and took Paul before the apostles and helped him, you know, build credibility. Although Paul said, even said, I didn't really need Barnabas, I would have done it whether or not Barnabas was there. But it did help, so thank you, Barnabas, right? But Barnabas was used mightily by God. It says this, that called Barnabas, the son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So if you can imagine, Ananias and Sapphira are watching this. They're seeing this happening. They're seeing this great move of God. They're seeing all of these things. Believers were one heart and one mind. No one claimed they had any possessions of their own. Wouldn't you love to have been a part of something like that? I think that would have been a great church to be a part of, a great group of people. Just a great group of people doing these awesome things in the power of God. Listen, with great power, the apostles continue to testify. You know why they could do that? They could do that because all the believers were one in heart and mind. They had that power from the Holy Spirit, but also they had this, the Holy Spirit's power, but they had these people with one heart and one mind and one mission and one vision to expand the gospel to all the world. It's a very powerful time, a very, very powerful time. But I want you to notice something, that there's a contrast right there. And whenever there's a contrast in Scripture, whenever you see a contrast, you need to stop. It's important for us because if you were to just read that portion of Scripture that I read about Ananias and Sapphira, you'd go, wow, that was just really tough. You're trying to explain that, right? You're trying to explain why would that happen? Well, they just died. Well, one commentary said that, well, it was probably a seizure or it was something like that that killed him or he was afraid. And then this other commentary, which I kind of like, she says, no, they just died, no Greek, Hebrew in that, they just died, right? And so, but when we see a contrast like that, when you see a Barnabas' story and you see how he gave and you see their story and how they gave, you have to stop and look at that as people. Now, the thing about what Luke does is he, he's writing a narrative, so he's writing a historical story, so he's not writing necessarily doctrine, he's writing a story. And so it's hard, you can't necessarily pull a bunch of doctrinal statements out of that. You have to take the story for what it is and just read it as that's what happened in that moment. It's important, right? But we can do, and so it makes it really hard sometimes to go, well, what do I do with that? But so the beauty of the scripture is when, when the author puts that contrast there, it actually is really helpful to us because it gives us some things to look at and we can actually layer our life over that contrast so that we can actually see maybe what God might be speaking to us about that. Does that make sense? Because you're not going to be, most of you are not going to sit around and have a great devotional morning with that portion of scripture. Just teach me, Lord. We're just not. But when you grab onto that contrast, it actually helps you to see some things. Because 
when it looks at that, here's this church in verse 32 of chapter four where you see all these believers who are one heart, one mind, and there's these people, people are getting saved daily. When you read the book of Acts, you see that people are getting saved daily, and there's amazing things happening, and lives are being changed, and things are going on, and Ananias and Sapphira are probably caught up in all of this stuff going on, and they're seeing it, and they're being dealt with, and all these things, and, and then it's very apparent that the Holy Spirit had told them to sell this property. The scripture says that, very apparent, and, and we don't know why, we don't know why they held back. We don't understand what it was, and that's part of the scripture that's important for us to recognize, and, and, and in that, we can't say why they held back. We can only speculate, so what it does to me is go, what would keep me from giving my all? What would keep me from experiencing chapter four, verse 32 and 35? What would keep me? And I have to go to that place in scripture where it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, no temptation has seized me except what is common to man, but God is faithful and not me, let me be tempted in a way I can't handle. Well, be give me a way out of that temptation, right? I get that scripture. But it was those things that are common to man. So what are the things that potentially could have been a problem with that? And these are things that are probably common to most of us that we struggle with when it comes time to giving everything we've got to step in and be completely devoted to the Lord. Because those people in verse 32, you cannot, you cannot look at that and go, they were partially devoted. All the believers were one heart and one mind. They were devoted to the mission and the call of God on their life. I was thinking about some of those things that are common to me. I'm just gonna be transparent with you. Sometimes it's fear. God calls me to do something, I can be afraid. I think about the first time I was asked to wash feet. That conversation with God was not a good one. The fear of being rejected, the fear of being made fun of, the fear of you know, people just thinking, what are you doing, right? Fear is one of those areas. Scripture says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. That's our, that's our scripture that we could quote, but it doesn't necessarily take the fear away, does it? I mean, I can quote it all day long. I, I, I'm worried. I sometimes worry. Anybody worry here? Every guy, there's like just you and me. We're the only worriers, right? Anybody sometimes struggle with worry? Raise your hand, right? So we tell you to quote the scripture. Be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God and the peace that passes all our sin will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. But you still worry. But you quote the scripture. You get what I'm saying? So these things come in this, in this area. And so how do, I, how do I work? These are some of the things that I struggle with. And I, I'm just trying to think, what, what were they struggling with? Could it have been the affirmation of men? They see Barnabas just getting affirmed. Oh, Barnabas, good job. Thanks for doing that. They lay it at the feet. There's models. They got a model of people laying it at their feet. And what does Barnabas do? He lays it at the feet. He gets all this accolades. He's, he's, going, he's going places. The apostles want to meet with him for lunch. They're wanting to hang out with him a little bit. We're talking about some potential movement over in the, you know, you know, Phoenicia and different places. And they want him to go take that over, right? And they're like, oh, we want to have those conversations. So let's, let's, get some, let's get some recognitions from Collins. Hey, check me out. I'm preaching. You know, look at me over here. Look out here. I'm gonna, here's the communion stuff. And I'll put it over, you know. And so maybe they dealt with that. I don't know what it was. And I don't know what it was for you. But I know that God wants to take it from us. And I know that we, if we recognize it and confess it, recognize it and, and call it for what it is, that God will help us with that. 
And help us move into that place where we can experience this. All the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. And they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. I think that's the picture. That's the end in mind. But what keeps me from getting there? What is it? For them... I don't know what it was, but I can fill in the blank by using my own experience in that and placing it against that. And at the end of the day, I want that out of my life so I can experience God's greatness in my life. Amen? Do you hear what I'm saying today? That's where we're at. You're gonna be challenged all, you're gonna be challenged the next couple of weeks. So come ready to be challenged and lean into it. Just lean into what God has for you and be those devoted followers of Jesus. And let's see what God will do. Maybe it could be, maybe it could be the historical moment at Bethel Church where we did the greatest offering, we did the greatest giving, we did the greatest serving ever in 2020. What if that was the story? You're already doing great stuff. But let's do, let's just go even better. Let's see what God will do. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, this morning I thank you for this group of people, for the work that you're doing in their lives, and Father, for the heart you have for them. And my prayer for them today, Father, is that by your spirit you would alight, you would move in their hearts, that they would sense a new and fresh infilling of your spirit, God, that they would sense that you're gonna talk about, the, we're gonna talk about the book of Acts. And I pray from this, Lord, it wouldn't just be a good history lesson or a good bunch of scripture references, but truly from your word, the dunamis power of God would come and just move through our body in a new and wonderful and powerful way and we would experience freshness and newness of life and healing just like they did in Acts chapter 4. Just like that. God, we want you so much. Just come and just fill us that we could take that little girl's pain away. That we could help that group in Honduras that we could help those families here and, and there and everywhere, God, that we could just be your hands and feet. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.